Amen. Good morning, everyone. Are you guys enjoying that sunshine? How many of you got out into your yard yesterday or gardening and you got a little sunburn? Right? We're not used to that warm weather, are we? It was beautiful yesterday. Um, how many of you are, you're, you're a little bit like me. You, um, you, you, your vacations are like this. Some of you I know when you go on vacation, you, you like to, from the time you get up, to the time you go to bed, you like to have it scheduled. You want to you wanna milk every bit of that vacation. Um, my family and I were able to go on a cruise some years ago, like on a four-day cruise, a Disney cruise, and um, when our kids were a little bit younger. And um, I had the worst time in the world. Now, now, you would think, wait a minute, you went on a cruise where you can eat all you want. They've got the midnight buffet. They had ice cream machines around every corner. Um, I think I gained 30 pounds, but you know what? I was miserable because when I was on the cruise, there was so much to do. I couldn't relax. I I wanted to do everything. And so if I didn't feel like I was doing everything, I felt like I wasn't getting the most out of my vacation. Are any of you have this sickness like I do? Any, just, just some, no one. Okay. I just, okay. I'm all alone that I need therapy. Um, uh, My type of vacation is um, you pick a place. And you just stay there and you don't have any agenda. You just, whatever, what, you just go like this. Okay, the wind's blowing that way. Let's go this way today. Let's just enjoy a vacation. How many are more like that? You just, you just like to, good, good. Okay, there's more of you. Um, I like to just go to a place and then just relax and, and just enjoy it. Um, uh, my father-in-law gave me his, um, his fishing boat many, many years ago before he passed away. And, uh, and so we, since then, I've kind of tricked it out to make it, make it at least look like a bass boat. And so many, some guys in the church helped me put platforms in it. I actually, someone gave me their, 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 uh, their trolling motor that I put on the front of the boat. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're a bass fisherman and you got the trolling motor in the back, it ain't the same. You got to be in the front of the boat, directing the boat with that trolling motor so you can cast. And so we kind of tricked out the boat and, and I love it now. And so my, my vacation is this. We go somewhere that has water, that's by a lake, and you get up every morning and you just fish. And every single morning you fish, you fish until you just can't fish anymore. That is my, and then you eat. You eat and you fish. That's about it. And, and that's my kind of vacation. But the problem is on vacations, how many of you know, like me, the problem on vacation is that um, we, we go on vacation and then you begin to count the days that it's going to be over. And then, so you're thinking back, you're like, oh, we only got two more days. And I, I, I said there to Kathleen, I'm like, you know, man, we only got two more days. And she looks at me and she goes, will you just enjoy the time that you have here and not worry about when it's going to end? I mean, it's just another sickness uh, that I have. It's that, it's that thing within our heart that, that it's just, there's something that's not content. It's, there's something that always ha- has to be more. And as we've been um, looking at the pursuit of happiness and, and how can we have a, a heart that's, that's truly content and truly happy uh, because we know that as we read research and statistics, uh, you know, people just aren't, aren't happy. The things in this world just aren't fulfilling us like they should. And so there's a, there's a problem we have in the United States about truly finding contentment and happiness. And it's interesting, I, 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 um, I was reading an article that, was, uh, that did some scientific research on happiness. And um, through this research, they came up with a whole list of different things that actually 
make us happy. So this article was really interesting for me. So I began to read it. And here's what they came up with. Here was some of their list. One of their, one of their lists, for instance, was that, that you, you can actually inherit a right kind of, of gene. Some of these studies show that 50% of our happiness is actually linked to our genes. Another study showed, this is kind of interesting, another study showed that actually conservatives are more happy than liberals. I don't know, but it's just, that's what they said. Maybe it's the ideology, religion playing this. I don't know, because I know some of you, when you watch Fox News and you see all the things going on in the world, you get pretty unhappy. So I I don't know if that works out as much. Um, With all these uh, different studies of happiness, um, whether we agree with them or not, uh, one of the things that, that really caught my attention was this. They found that the happiest people were actually these type of people. They were the people that actually gave to others. They found out that people are happier when they give to others instead of serving themselves. Now, this is interesting because this principle actually comes straight out of the word of God. This is actually the very heart of God because we understand that God is a giving God. And as we've been studying this and looking into the principle of happiness, I believe that this is one of the key uh, vital things to our happiness that we have to understand what it means to give and to understand the character of God. Because everything, if we understand the Bible, and we understand the character of God, everything that God has done for us, we do not deserve. Or we haven't merited It's nothing about me or what I've merited that God has poured his grace out. It's simply through his love, his grace, and his mercy that he's poured out his gifts and his love to us that I didn't earn, merit, or deserve. In fact, at the root of true happiness is the knowledge that I've been forgiven, that God gave everything to reach me. Nothing can compare to that. No amount of money could ever buy that. So throughout the Bible, we see this this principle of, of giving, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that God gives us his grace and mercy even though we don't deserve it. And if we, if we don't grasp this principle, what happens is, is these blessings come to our life and then they stop. We, we, we're like consumers. We, we consume these gifts and we don't even realize how blessed We really are. Do you realize that you are blessed this morning? Do you understand how blessed we are this morning? And not not just because it's not February. It's a beautiful May day in Rochester in the two weeks that we enjoy of summer here. But it's not just because of that. It's because God has poured out so much into our lives and we are blessed. The problem is we take those blessings and then they stop with us. And God says, I don't want them to stop here. I want them to actually flow through you that you can be a blessing to others. And when that happens, there's this happiness and this joy that occurs in our life that that no amount of money could ever buy. I mean, you can do all the research and the study of those that have won the lottery and so on and so forth. And for the majority of them, they end up living miserable lives. And so here's where we have to be careful. That my happiness cannot be found in things. My happiness cannot be found in a better standard of living. My happiness is found in my standard of giving. 
You can write that down. That's a good quote right there, right? So it's not, it's not necessarily increasing my standard of living that's going to make me happy because we, we all know that it doesn't because then there's another milestone because then we get to some threshold of our standard of living. Then it's like, well, now we have to have something better and then there's got to be something better and then there has to be something better, right? It's never ends. There's always something that is out there that is better and, 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 and more lucrative and more bells and whistles. And if we're not content with where we're living now, we're never going to be happy. And so what the word of God says to us, instead of that, increase your standard of giving. And then you'll understand about my happiness. So we see throughout the Bible this, this wonderful principle of giving. And we've, if we understand that we've received such a great salvation from God, that we received his forgiveness, and that I, I truly understand that through that understanding, that out of that needs to flow my actions of understanding God. I understand how much you've given into my life this free salvation, that I didn't deserve it, that I was a sinner, lost and dead, and that you came to rescue me and give your life for me through your grace and mercy. Then, then if we understand that, something has to change in our lives. And the fruit of that is a giving heart. So if I want to be blessed or happy, I must have a heart that's giving. If, if, if I'm giving out of response of what God has done for me, I understand what a blessed life is all about. And I, I, can't, I can't keep it to myself. I, I, I can, it's a response to God. It's a, it's a worship unto the Lord that God has done something for me. So what I want to do is I, I want to look practically at how this looks, because what, what's going to change in our lives when we truly understand what, what Christ has done for us, it, it's going to change how I give my time, how I give my talents, and how I give my treasure to the Lord. And I like the way the Apostle Paul sums it up well. He sums it up well in Acts twenty thirty five. He says this. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. How many of you want to have a blessed life? Here's what that word means. The, the word blessed there that Paul uses uh, echoing the words of Jesus is makarios. It's this Greek word makarios. And it literally means happy. You are in a position to actually receive God's favor. If you want to be happy and receive God's favor, then he says, give. Learn to be a giver. If you are a giver, you will be blessed. You will be happy. In fact, this word makarios is very interesting the meaning actually, the original meaning actually carried the idea of being elite or above everyone else. You were the upper crest. When you were blessed, Makarios, that original meaning said that you were blessed. You, it carried the idea of being elite above everybody else. You were the one with the most possessions. You had the most toys. Uh, you were able to put the name Trump on everything, Right? whether it was your airplane or your towers or anything else, you could put your name on. You were above that. That's what it meant to be blessed, Makarios. But here's what Jesus does. 
Jesus does a radical thing with this word makarios. He does a radical thing. He completely now flips it around. Instead of saying, you're the top dog and you're blessed because of all these things that you might have, Jesus changes it and flips it around. And and Matthew records Jesus' words about what it means to be blessed in Matthew chapter 5. And he says this, if you remember these words of Jesus, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying is, is those that are truly blessed are actually the lowly ones, not the ones that are the top dogs, not the, not, not the ones that, that have all the toys and, and see themselves maybe as better than everyone else because of their material blessings. But Jesus actually, the blessed ones are the lowly ones. In fact, the blessed ones and the happy ones are the humble in heart, those who see others before themselves. How many of you have ever been humbled in your life, right? I, I was watching something on Sports Center, and uh, it was the, not the top 10, it was the top worst things that happened during the week. And there was a runner, I think he was for Oregon, and he was going to win this huge race. And he was, I don't, know, I don't know what the length of the running race was, but he already had his hands in the air. And if the finish line is, is the podium there, he's looking at the crowd. He's going, look at me. All of a sudden, there's a guy coming up next to him that he doesn't see. And as he's cheering along, all of a sudden, this guy passes him and ends up winning the race. The guy loses the race. Is that a humbling time? He was pretty much humble. He thought he had it. He's whooping and how he thinks he's giving, woo, woo, look at me. I'm running. All of a sudden, somebody passes right by him that he doesn't see. Jesus says, listen, the truly blessed are the lowly ones, the ones that do not think that much of themselves, that turn their lives over to the Lord, that give their lives to him and worship and give the things away that God has given them. And this is, this is the theme that, that we see that runs through the Bible. And listen, if we can understand our position in the Lord and understand what God has done for us, it will keep us under his blessings. It will keep us from thinking too much of ourselves that we have done it, that that we're successful, that these things were done by my hand. And God says, listen, if you place these principles into your life and recognize who I am, that I am God over you, your life will be blessed. You will be happy. And these things in this world will not make you, whether it's position or pride or this or that, those things can never make you happy. In fact, the opposite happens. So, so let's look at this practically. How, how do we have a blessed life? And so what I want to do is I want to look at the Old Testament and see where the foundation of having a blessed life is and what God taught the Israelites and then, and then translate that into the New Testament and, 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 and let it connect 
to what Jesus Christ has done for us. So let's, let's dive into this. So God says, if you want to have a blessed life, I want to teach you this principle of first. Giving to God first. If Listen, listen, 830. All you sunburned people out there, listen to me. If you can get this principle into your mind, it will keep you under God's blessings. You will have a blessed life. There will be no doubt in your mind that you will wake up every morning and say, God, I am blessed. No matter what the circumstances, you will be able to say, you know what? My life is blessed. Anybody ask you how you're doing? You know what you're going to say? I'm blessed. I'm just blessed. Just say it. Anybody that asks you, hey, how you doing? Say, I'm blessed. I'm just blessed. Can I tell you about it? Can I tell you about how blessed I am? They're going to be like, no, not really. But you're going to say, well, you're going to sit down anyways, because I want to tell you how blessed I am. This will keep your life in check always. Okay, so get it, because these are, oh, when I, when the Lord showed me this, it just opened my mind up. It just, it, 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 it just will, will show you how important um, this blessing of God that, listen, do you realize he wants to bless your life? He does. He wants to, beyond what you could ever think or imagine, God wants you to live a blessed life. Now, that, that, that doesn't mean tomorrow that Ed McMahon's going to show up to your door and you're going to win the publishing clearinghouse sweepstakes, okay? That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Um, he does, how many know he does bless us financially? He does, he does all those things, but I want you to see something so much deeper here that it's about giving. So let's, let's look at this principle. First of all, in order to have this blessed life, There's this principle of first of life that we see in the word of God. First of life. God wanted first to give their lives to him. In the Old Testament, God instructed the Israelites to give to him first. Now, now, um, let me be totally honest with you here this morning. When God is first in your life, everything else will come into order. It just will. Everything, your relationships, your finances, everything will come in order when you put him first. So what God was doing as he was establishing his relationship with Israel, when he took them out of bondage of Egypt for 400 years, they're under this bondage of Egypt. He took them out in the wilderness. He gives them his commandments. He begins to build a relationship with them. He begins to instruct them. This is how I want you to live your life. This is how I want you to live amongst one another. This is how I want you to live before me. And he instructs them about this principle of giving to him first. And there's a reason why he wanted them to give the first of life. Now let's look at the scriptures here. You've got your Bibles, you can turn there or look up the screens. Let's look at Exodus chapter 13. Because this is where God is instructing them in the wilderness on how he wants them to give. So here's Exodus, right? Part of the first five books of the Bible. So let's look at Exodus here. And let's see what God told them Moses as Moses is instructing his people as they're trying to establish this relation of God before they go into the promised land. So what does he say to them? He says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. And if you highlight or underline in your Bibles, underline the word firstborn. This is important. He says, Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel 
both man and beast. It is, what's the word there? Mine or mine? It's the Lord's, right? God's saying the first is mine. Okay, let's go down a little bit in the chapter there, verses 12 and 13. Here's the reason why. God says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opened the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the male shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn among man, among your sons, you shall redeem. And you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, have you just fell off? Have you, is your orange juice expired this morning? Because I have no idea what that has anything to do with living a blessed life. This has everything to do. Okay, you ready? Just don't lose me. Okay, let's, let's look at what this understands. Let's, let's understand this together. Notice the words. The first was to be given to God. God says, consecrate unto me all the firstborn. The word consecrate literally means to make holy by giving to God. So why did God want them to sacrifice this firstborn? Why did, why did God want them to do that? It doesn't make sense. The reason why God never wanted them to forget how he brought them out of Egypt. This was to remind them that it was God who brought them out of Egypt, that it was God who spared them from the 10th plague in Egypt that the death angel went through, remember, and killed all the firstborn males. That was the plague upon Egypt. God never wanted them to forget. So he says, by you giving your first to me, you're remembering that I'm the one that delivered you from Egypt's bondage. I'm literally the one that redeemed you from the bondage and the slavery of Egypt, because that was symbolic of sin and slavery. And God says, by you giving me the first, it's a constant reminder that I'm the one that's delivered you. That's good stuff right there. Okay, now, now, now let's, let's put the points together. Who's the one that ultimately redeems us? Who's the one that gave his life for us? Who is our sacrificial lamb? Jesus, right? Okay. Keep, keep following. Don't lose, because this is good. Don't fall asleep. Don't look at your phones. Everybody follow me unless, you're, unless the, your Bible is on your phone. Okay, so let's go here. Okay, right? So now, the children of God needed to be reminded that God is first and never to forget what he's done for them. So God was telling them, when a firstborn animal that is born, I want you to sacrifice it to me. When a donkey is born, you are to redeem it with a lamb. You're thinking the, the poor donkey. Why, why does the donkey have to die? Why, why is, if, if the donkey's not redeemed, why does it break the donkey's neck? What, what's, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Why? Here's the reason why. Are you ready? One animal was considered clean. The other animal was considered unclean. The sacrifice of the clean animal would redeem the unclean animal, which was the donkey. Now, what does this have to do with us? Everything. Because this is central to the gospel message. 
We were all born in sin. We were unclean like the donkey. We needed redemption. We were unclean. We needed someone to redeem us. Just like the unclean animal needed a clean animal to redeem them. Jesus was born perfect to cleanse us of our sins. So just like in the Old Testament, the clean had to be sacrificed in order for the unclean, us, to be redeemed. Giving, listen, here's, here's the whole, here's everything. Ready? Here's, here's where I want you to explain. What does this have to do with giving, pastor? Listen. Giving the first animal blessed the rest. I thought I'd at least get one amen there, but that's okay. Don't even try now because it's too late. Listen, giving of that animal redeemed the rest of the unclean. The giving of God's only son cleansed all of us who were unclean. So what God is telling them, God is telling them, if you trust me, listen, listen. If you trust me with the first, I will bless the rest. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Okay, now it, it, it's gonna, now this is where the message really begins to hurt. So everybody buckle your seatbelts. Okay, take your ibuprofen because it's going to start to hurt in a minute. Because this is, if we get this, I'm telling you, if we get this, it will change your lives. It will change the way you look at giving. So here we go. So God is telling them, listen, if you trust me and believe in me and know that you give to me first, I will bless the rest of your life. And he wanted Israel to understand this because God was for them and not against them. God didn't, God didn't want them to be cursed. God didn't want them to live miserable lives. Now, did they? Yes, because they disobeyed God. They didn't serve him. They walked away. They served other gods. They served other idols. And God said, listen, if you would have just followed me and you would have given to me first, I would have blessed your life. Because God doesn't want you to miss out on anything. So many times people think, well, if I become a Christian, God's going to take away all this stuff. Wah, wah, wah. And I won't have any more fun. Let me tell you something. I've been a Christian for well over 30 years. I'm having more fun than I ever would ever in the world. I don't wake up hugging a toilet in the morning. I don't wake up with a hangover. I'm just teasing. Okay. You can laugh. Okay. Thank God this never happened to me, but it doesn't sound like anything fun. But I, it's, we think like God is, is, is taking things away from us when in fact, God's saying, listen, I want to give to you more than you would ever know. So how do we do this? Practically, how do we do this? God says, I want to bless the rest. So going on, as we look in Exodus, God says, I want you to give me the first of life and I want you to give me the first of your increase or your income. Let's look at Exodus 23, 19. So what does God say to them? God says this. He says, I want you to give me the first of the first fruits of your land that you shall bring in to where? The house of the Lord, your God, where they would worship. Because that was a central place where God was worshiped, where God's people would come together in the temple or in the tabernacle. This is where I want you to bring this first fruit. I, I, don't, I don't want you to bring the last of the fruit, the stuff, you know, the, the end of the season when all the apples have fallen off and they're rotting on the ground, right? And, and you're fighting the deer over them, right? 
That, that's not what I want you to bring. I want you to bring me the best and the first of your increase so that you never forget I'm the one that gives you the increase. So he said, listen, I want you to bring the first to me and you bring it to the house of the Lord. Look at Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions, with your first fruit of all your increase. And look at the promise here. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You see, what, what God is teaching them here is this is a tangible way that we put God first because this is the one thing that can be the hugest stumbling block because how many of us have lambs that we need to sacrifice? That's obviously not what God is talking about, right? But the increase of our wealth, this is what God is talking about because this is where we all live. And so what he's saying is, here's a tangible way where you can put God first. So let, let me explain it this way. I can, I can say to my wife, Kathleen, that I love her all day long. I can give her all the lip service in the world. But if I don't show her I love her or spend time with her or serve her, it can become fake and not authentic. And, and I'm not putting her in the right place. I want you to think of your giving in a different way. If you can get this, it will change the way you look at giving and the way you look at serving. Okay, are you ready? Here it is. In Leviticus 27.30, here's what God says to them about their giving, about their giving first to the Lord. He says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the, or the, fruit of the trees, is whose? Not only is it the Lord's, but it's what? It is holy to the Lord. Listen, if you can get this into your noggin, right? If we can get this in our brain, that everything I have, everything I own is the Lord's. That God is ultimately the owner and I am just the manager. I am the steward. It, the moment we take possession is the moment we lose our blessing. You can write that down. The moment you take possession is the moment you lose the blessing. You will lose the blessing of God's hand right away. God says, none of it is yours. No matter how small or great, all of it is mine. Period. So we've got to get this into our mind. This is what God is trying to teach the Israelites see what they were doing when they gave to the Lord, what he was telling them. It's a holy thing. The tithe is a holy thing unto me. And here, let, let me, let me, let me dial this in a little bit deeper. Okay. The tithe actually means 10% of the increase of what God blessed them. And so what God said to them, this is holy. It was to be consecrated unto me. And it was to be consecrated unto the Lord first. You were not even to touch it. Why? Because it was to be given first unto the Lord. Basically what you were saying and what the Israelites were saying to the Lord is when they would bring the tithe and they would bring the first, the 10% of their increase unto the Lord. What they were saying is, God, you are first in my life. 
God, as we give you the first of the animals, the first of life, we're saying you are first because you are the one that delivered us out of bondage. When we give you the first of the increase of our income, what we're saying, God, is you are first in my life. It's not an afterthought. It's not something that I do way down the line or after I pay all my bills and pay all my tax, all that stuff. No, God, you are first. I give to you first because it is holy. See, when we give this to the Lord, when we give this tithe to the Lord, it isn't an offering. Let me explain this. This isn't, this isn't well, I'm, I'm going to give this to someone or something and then call it a tithe. When you give that to the Lord, it's not discretionary. You're, you're not telling it where to go. Are you, are you following me? Let's dial this in. You're not saying, I'm going to write this check and I want to make sure it goes to Nepal. Okay, that's fine. We give offerings to that. That's why we give offerings to missions. We give offerings to other ministries. But when I look at that first of my giving, I look at it as holy, undiscretionary. God, this is yours. It's holy. It's consecrated to you for your purposes, for your glory. I give it to you because I'm recognizing that you're first in my life. And there's, there, there's, there are things that we do give specifically and there's nothing wrong with it. Maybe missions or, or things that I've just talked about, benevolent needs. Listen, listen, listen. I don't want to become legalistic here because if we do this, we lose the heart of what God wants to do in our lives. See, I see tithing as training wheels because in reality, everything's the Lord's. Thank God he gives us a percentage to live off of. Amen. But in reality, everything's the Lord. So let me wrap this up. Let me close this thing down and we, we're going to take communion together. Let, let, let's, let's, let's look at how we, let's, let's, how this, how does this practically look in our lives? Cause I know for some of you, this may be new for some of you, this, this may be real difficult, but here's the thing. I, I, my desire for you as your pastor is for you to have a blessed life. I, I, I want, I, I desire you to have a blessed life. When we live in the counsel of God's word, God blesses our life. So, so how does this practically look in our lives? Well, God says this, I want you to give the first of everything to me. So how, do, how, would, how would this look in our lives? When you wake up in the morning, give the first of the day to the Lord. When you wake up, say, God, this is your day whether it's in your devotions or praying, you give the first of the day. You're saying, God, I'm waking up. I'm not turning on the news yet. I'm not doing any of this stuff. I'm going to wake up first and recognize who you are, right? I guarantee your day's going to go different when you do that. How many of you have ever waken up and you turn the news on and then you start off on a bad note anyways, right? Or you wake up and you look at the weather and you're like, oh man, it's going to be a bad day. And then you just, your day starts off. There. God says, no, start off the day and recognize who I am. That I'm the God that's the source of all your blessings. I'm going to take care of you today. Was I not with you yesterday? Yeah. Was I with you the day before? Yeah. Was I with you last week? Yeah. I know, Lord. You're with, right? God, God wants you to have that blessed life. Wake up and give him the first of your day. Give God the first of your week. Now, I know I'm preaching the choir because you're all here today in church. God bless you, right? Give God. Say, God, as a family, we've made a commitment to come to church 
And we're going to give you the first of our week. Sunday, we're going to church. We're going to give this. Don't make it legalistic, but just say, God, we're going to do this because we're going to worship you. And, and, and this wasn't an afterthought. We didn't, we didn't think, uh, let's see, Saturday before we go to bed, say, well, if we're just too tired in the morning, let's, th- well, we'll, we'll, you know, I don't know. What's pastor speaking on tomorrow? Oh, he's speaking on tithing. We're definitely not going to church tomorrow, okay? So just, honey, we're going to sleep in and uh, we can listen to that on, uh, you know, on the internet later if we want to, right? No, you've made up your mind. You're saying, listen, and, and I appreciate this about my parents, that they made it a priority to say, you know what? Even then I didn't like it as a young person uh, before I didn't become a Christian. I didn't like it. My, my parents would just, you know what? Barton, I just want to prepare you. We're going to church on Sunday. That's what we do as a family. And they instilled something in my heart that says we go to church as a family on Sunday. We just do. We give God the first, the first of our week. We go. That's priority. We go to church. Not legalistic, but that's what we do. And some, did you realize some habits are good habits? That's a good habit. We're going to submit ourselves to God's word. We're going to be with God's people. We're going to worship him. We're going to give them the first of our week. Give God the first of your week. Give God the first of your gifts by serving the body. God has gifted all of us with special gifts and talents that we can serve the body. We give to God by serving the body with our gifts. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Paul says this. Listen, here's the point. Paul says, here's the point about your giving. He's, he's teaching the Corinthians because they were a little off on their giving and why they should give. Paul says, here's the point. Here's the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. It's just it. If, if you don't learn to bless others, there's not going to be a lot of blessings that are going to come back on your life. It's just, that's the point. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give what he has decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, that word cheerful means hilarious. See, if, if we give to the Lord like, oh, this is my obligation and this is something I got to do and, you know, ah. Uh, I give to the Lord. That's what I'm supposed to do. God says, don't do it. Because you're missing the whole point. If we're doing it reluctantly and out of compulsion and out of obligation, we've missed the whole point of what God has sown into our lives. Because if we understand the great penalty that we've been forgiven of, now we understand that as much as God freely gave to us, now I'm going to freely give back. That's what a blessed life is all about. It's freely, freely giving because we understand what God gave us. See, the principle here, listen, 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 listen. God's saying, listen, the reason why I want you to give the first of life and the first of your increase of your first fruits as he talked to the Israelites in the Old Testament, here's the reason why. He goes, remember, I'm the one that brought you out of, you were in bondage for four hundred years over 400 years i'm the one that delivered you and in fact he says i'm the one that took you he spoke to them like a father at mount sinai he goes i'm the one that gathered you together like a mother hen gathers her chicks and i gathered you and i i I caused you to come under my covering i did that for you now all i'm asking is you is never forget that 
So for me, when I write my tithe check, I lay my hands on it, and I say, God, thank you for your blessings in my life. You've been so good to me. You've never let me down. And I know this check means nothing to you because money means nothing to you, God. But I know how much money can have an attachment to my, to my heart. And I give this to you first because I'm recognizing that you're first in my life, that you've done so much for me. And I never want to forget the penalty that Jesus Christ made for me. See, it's giving back. That's really, that's the heart of it. That's what Paul wanted them to do. So when you give, you give out of a joyful heart. When I give, what I'm saying is that you're the one that's redeemed me through your son. I'm yours, Jesus. You've made us holy. And, and by giving his life to us as an offering to God, I want to give back to you. I want to serve you with my gifts. I want to serve other people. Ultimately, I'm saying, God, that you are first in my life. So I want you to see your giving whether it's increase or it's in your serving other people, I want you to see your giving as a holy thing. I'm doing this out of response for what you've done for me through your son, Jesus Christ. And when we give to God, when we first give to God, we're saying, God, ultimately, you're first in my life. That's a tangible way that we can recognize that God is number one. Let's not lose the heart of why we give. Let's, let's, not, let's not ever lose that. Let me just finish with this and we're going to take communion. I love this verse. and It's not up on the screen, but let me just read it to you because I was thinking about this t- this morning when I was studying. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.20 says this you want to turn there, you can. I love this. Paul's speaking to the Corinthians about the resurrection of the dead. They're, they're worried about what happens after we die and what happens to the body. And we understand that the word of God says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For those that are in Christ, we get to be with Jesus. Now, how do we have the confidence in that? Well, listen to this first because this goes with what we're talking about here. Verse 20 says, Paul's assuring the Corinthian church. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead Listen to the word he uses there. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, what a farmer does when he looks at the first fruits of his crop, he's got a good indicator of what the rest of the harvest is going to look like, the rest of the crop. See, Jesus is the first fruits for us because he conquered the grave. Through his resurrection, he now sits at the right hand of the God of God. So we have the confidence knowing that Jesus conquered the grave for us. He is that first fruit of the Lord that God gave to us as an offering. Freely, God gave to us through his son. He didn't have to. He didn't do it grudgingly. He didn't say, man, they don't deserve it, but I'm going to do it anyways. He did it for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So here's what, I, here's what we're going to do. When we come to the table, we, 
take communion this morning. I want you not to focus, listen, not to focus on, oh, I don't want you to walk out going, man, I know I need to give more. There's another message on giving that I messed up on and, 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 and I know I need to get better. Listen, 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 listen. I don't want you to walk out that way. When we take communion, I want you to see Christ for who he is and what he did for you first. I want him to grab your heart. And then out of that, I want you to begin to pray on how God can redirect your heart in the way practically that you're giving to him. Let him first grab your heart because if he doesn't grab your heart, then it's going to be guilt and condemnation is going to be placed in your heart. And you may say, well, okay, I do this for a couple weeks and then it, it fades away because God hasn't really grabbed your heart here. God wants to grab your heart first. If he's got your heart, then your actions are going to follow, right? And so God says, I want you to get a glimpse of my son and what he did for you. And if you're thankful for that, he's going to change your heart, then it's going to change the way you live. And God says, then your giving is going to be done correctly because you're going to honor it with me now because you're going to be grateful for what I've ultimately done for you. And it's not going to be grudgingly. It's not going to be under compulsion. It's going to be out of joy because you're blessed. And if you're blessed, and if God's blessed your life through the salvation of his son, you can't keep it to yourself. You can't keep it to yourself. You now become a conduit of God's blessing that flows in and flows out of your life to bless others with the same blessing that God has blessed you. Amen. I'm so blessed. How many of you love it when God surprises you? How many of you love that? The other day I was at my son's baseball game and I wanted to sit on the, on the opposing team side because the sun was warmer over there. It was a cold day. So I went over there and uh, there's a, a kid sitting over there, another teenager. Uh, he was a senior. And we just began to strike up a conversation. And I'm, I'm thinking back in my mind, I said, God, you, 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 just, you just set me up. God, you just set me up. And so I began to talk to him. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm asking him, I go, can I ask you what nationality you are? What's your ethnic? He goes, I'm Cambodian. I said, really? I said, did your parents come over from the Vietnam conflict? He goes, oh, yeah. They came over about 40, 45 years ago. Um, so we began to talk. And I, you know, he goes, yeah, they're, they're Buddhist and so on and so forth. I said, well, what are you? He goes, well, I'm not sure what I am. I go, oh, okay. And so we got to be talking. He goes, well, somebody did invite me to church on Sunday. I go, oh, really? I go, what was that like? He goes, it was pretty neat. He goes, I didn't go to the adult service because it's a little confusing. So I went to the kids' church, and they had me read this story. He's never been in church. He goes, they had me read a story about this blind guy that Jesus healed. He goes, it's pretty interesting. Could you help share that a little bit more with me? And I'm like, no, I got to watch the baseball game, so I'll talk to you later. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm like, holy cow. Uh, this is the total setup. And I began, he, goes, he goes, that story really changed me. He goes, so I began to share my testimony with him and began to share what Christ came to do that, that ultimately all of us are blind, spiritually blind. And Jesus came to help us see again by giving his life for us as a sacrifice for our sins. He goes, I feel different now. He goes, and the only way he could explain it is he goes, I feel like a better person. It was like, the baseball game now became completely secondary to me to like, God, you set this whole thing up. 
set the whole thing up. You're so good. There's blessings around us all the time. And how many times am I blind because there's somebody that's hurting that I'm too much into my life and too busy on where I got to go that I forget there's people that need to hear about Jesus at a baseball game whose parents came from Cambodia 40 years ago from the Vietnam conflict war. I know what's going to happen there. I said, you know, he told me what church, and I know the church. I said, keep going to church with your friend. <laughs> I said, and bring your parents. He goes, I'll do that. See, there's blessings all around if we just realize that God wants to do that.